0: This is a Radio.com original.
1: I've always wanted a General Lee. I'm a huge Dukes of Hazard fan. I know that's kind of crazy to talk about in today's times, but the horn, I mean, you can't get past. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: proud of you there, Kelly. I mean, you actually (laughs) said something nice about a Mopar being from a Chevy. Right? (laughs) I'm proud of you. Welcome to an all-new edition of the Talking About Cars podcast, where it's all about everybody has a car story. Let's indulge in some great car stories from celebrities, car personalities, and we've got a great car personality with us today. You see her. She is NASCAR Majesty. She is part of the Royal Kingdom of NASCAR. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Kelly Earnhardt Miller is joining us from her offices at uh, Junior Rotor Sports, JRM. Kelly, thanks for joining us here on uh, Talking About Cars.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Quite the introduction. I'm here in North Carolina, and um, yeah, all is well. Can't
0: complain. And of course, one of the reasons you're here is this. Here it is, and it even looks like you. That's right, your new book called Drive. And it's uh, nine lessons to win in business and in life. We're going to get some of those lessons from Kelly because I know she has committed them to memory. But uh, <laughs> I want to start off first off with uh, your brother. He raced it in Homestead this past weekend. He finished fifth in the uh, in, uh, his race. Give me your critique. How did he do?
1: Oh, I thought he did great. And uh, the thing that I think is funny about Dale is that, you know, this is the one race uh, for those of you listeners that don't know. You know, he typically just races one race a year at Junior Motorsports for us. And so this was his one race in the middle of this crazy environment where there's no ends and the way we go to the racetrack is so much different and the interaction that we are not having right now is so much different. And so um, uh, he was his typical self, which is funny that he, well, I don't know, maybe I'll do good. Maybe I won't do good. You know, if we come out of there doing well, that's great. If we don't do good, well, Okay. You know, so he kind of sets it up so that there's not a lot of uh, pressure and expectation on him. Uh, and then during the race, my goodness, he uh, did great, ran in the top five all day, looked really competitive, ran second to our teammate Noah Gregson for a long time, uh, and, and really thought that they had a great car to win and uh, come down to a, a late caution, and our cars weren't very good on the short run. So, uh, and all in all, he was very happy.
2: Happy. Now he he's running one race a year. Is that just part of his retirement? He's decided this is the race I'm going to run, and that's
0: it.
1: Yeah, we have a relationship with uh, Unilever, longtime partners of ours, so the Hellman's mayonnaise and and things like that. And uh, so uh, he he is uh, has always ran for them. Used to be we would start the season in Daytona with Dale uh, and and do that race. And you know he's never ran more than a handful of races for Junior Motorsport our community team. Uh, But in retirement, now that he's out of the car uh, and has his wife and daughter and and he's doing the NBC broadcasting thing, um, yeah, he just likes to run run one. And last year, it was in September. This year, it was supposed to be in March. However, uh, just ended up having it this past weekend.
0: So what do you think? Is this going to be his last race or is he going to try and do another one next year?
1: He uh, said that uh, after the race, he really had a good time and that uh, he hopes that he could do another one next year. He kind of leaves it very vague and open, so we never exactly know how he feels until we get him face-to-face in a conversation. So
0: Everybody's going through the pandemic thing, and one of the things we're always interested in finding out is how people are going through the pandemic. How did it affect you? How did you find out about it, and how did it change your life?
1: Yeah, it's been quite crazy, um, you know, if, if I'm thinking all the way back to March, when the pandemic started for us here in North Carolina, and when things started to get crazy and we started shutting businesses down, um, middle of March, uh, my husband and my son and I, we were all in Pennsylvania, we have a cabin up north in Pennsylvania, where my husband's from, and we were kind of, we were planning to spend this Thursday through Sunday at the cabin, and we drove up. Uh, We actually, I think, left on a Wednesday night. And then that Thursday, just listening to the news and listening to kind of the fear that started of what was happening and the cases that were coming out and all, we left on Friday from Pennsylvania and drove back to North Carolina because we just didn't know what to expect. It was like, at that point, they were talking about, you know, were we going to be able to travel uh, state to state? And, you know, we were in Pennsylvania and we felt like we needed to be back in North Carolina. And that Sunday, we made the decision uh, not to come back into work at Junior Motorsports for the safety of our employees, because really, there were just so many unknowns. Um, and so those first few weeks were really crazy in dealing with uh, what's happening, what's going on, you know, is life going to end today, right? I mean, everybody, nobody knew what was going on. It was like, our, what are we just going to close our businesses? What was happening? And, you know, each day came with new information, gave you a little bit more comfort as you started, uh, you know, seeing what other people were doing, what businesses were doing, how people were taking the information, what they thought about it, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, fast forward to now, we're back to work, we're back to racing, although it's not with fans and it's, uh, in a totally different way than we're used to doing it. But, you know, it's business as usual for about mm, 60% of our business. Uh, you know, we're all in the office, the guys are downstairs working on the race cars here in the shop and, you know, we're doing what marketing and things like that that we can do, but it is very different without our sponsors being at the racetrack, without us being able to host people and host fans. Um, And, you know, we just don't know how long that's going to last. Personally, it's just, for me, it's just kind of a dumpy time right now. You know, I was so excited um, uh, to have the book to talk about and and the book came out in April. And so that's been fun because, you know, it's kind of a self-help book and inspirational and hopeful. So has some great messaging in it, but the longer that this pandemic lasts, and and you know, we're in North Carolina, we're not out of restrictions yet, and so life just feels so strange. It feels restrictive, which it is, and um, it, it's it's not fun. You know, you think about uh, going camping or going on some kind of trip, and you think, well, what can we do? You know, can we go eat in places? Can we? go, you know, enjoy things together. So it's, it's really, it's been a rough mental time for me uh, in general, just to kind of, you know, navigate through this.
0: Well, oh, you're also the the person that runs the company and, yeah. and used to being in control. And from yeah. a psychiatric point of view, I suppose, all of a sudden you're not in control anymore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, certainly tons of decisions to make and things like that as we uh, go through each week. But um I'm just, I'm a type A, red, however you want to categorize me kind of person. So I like control. I like to be in charge. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, it's kind of nerve wracking that those kinds of things are not within your control. And, and you're just having to kind of wade through life right now and, and be at the mercy of other people.
2: A, a couple of weeks ago, a track down in North Carolina opened up. And instead of saying they were having a race, they said this was a... a, a protest a protest yeah uh, <laughs> how do you feel about that situation
1: well you know i'll i give a little bit of a, a text to that uh they actually raced two weekends prior to that race weekend and um they had had were seeking guidance from the north carolina uh legislature. they were seeking guidance from their local uh elected officials uh the local elected officials said look I, You're not in violation of anything that I can figure out, so there's nothing I can do. I'm not getting the the information I need from the North Carolina government, so go about your business. And it became a big deal because the first weekend that they raced, they had you know 2,500 people in the stands, and so pictures started going all over the place, and and people started talking about it. And so it wasn't until that third week that it really became a big deal, and because of what was happening you know, uh, in, in the world at the time and, and people protesting and, and we weren't making those people, you know, go back inside and you were allowed to, to walk the streets in protest. They did, uh, you know, went ahead and said, okay, well, we're, we're having a protest of our own injustice against the governor, against closing down and, and not able to run our businesses. And, uh, and so that, that got worldwide attention, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh you know i i I see different sides of it but um you know they're great owners up there at a speedway um trying to do the right thing to to put their people back to work to, to you know bring uh some economic power to the the county and whatnot and um you know it's unfortunate i think the way that they were depicted and what was shown i wish we could make those choices as individuals to uh to to go and do the things that we feel safe doing um, and and uh, let people who do not feel safe make those decisions to stay home or do what they need to do. But anyway, it was a pretty big deal. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Actually, racing there as well. So in our in the late model series. So uh, um, yeah, we were. It was it was a big deal.
0: Are you guys supposedly wearing masks at all?
1: We are. So we're not, they're not mandated in the state. Uh, we are wearing them, and I just put mine on the table over there by my purse. Uh, we don't have to wear them in our offices at work, but all of our guys on the shop floor are wearing masks uh, the entire mm-hmm. Uh we are wearing them in our common areas asking visitors to wear them if we have visitors um, and but but a lot of business here in North carolina um, we are you know one of the states right now that are seeing an increase in cases so um, you know it's all over the map mm-hmm. as to to what the masks do and and that kind of thing and preventing us from getting people sick I guess is the main point of wearing the masks so um yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're wearing masks. <laughs> 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 I can't breathe in them. I get so hot and Yeah. I walk the halls. And I, my guys, I feel so bad for them because, you know, they're out in 90-degree heat, 80-degree heat at the racetrack, and they're wearing them all day. So they're wearing a uh. 10- to 16-hour day hard at work. Um, and so, you know, to me, they are uh, restricted, you know, in a sense of, of uh, what we can do, but uh, it's
2: part of what we need to do. Mm -hmm. As the owner, do you get to go out to the races much, or do you have the interest to go out to the races?
1: Yeah, and so under the COVID environment, we cannot attend the races. A very limited amount of folks, so we're typically uh, carrying 40 folks to the racetrack for the four teams that we have. Uh, We're down to about 20, 22 people. We're allowed five people per car. Um, Just recently, they allowed the one owner to come, and we have three owners, Mr. Hendrick, myself, and Dell Jr., uh, and we could sit in a suite uh, at the racetrack if we chose to but um typically I would go to eight to ten events in a year um, I usually travel to some of the marquee events like the Daytona race uh, that we start the season at uh, and then different races where our partners are engaging and and I might have responsibilities with them and whatnot so um but yeah we I like to go my husband works here at the race team as well and so we do that kind of thing as a family and and uh, so yeah, we, we enjoy playing.
0: NASCAR is going through a lot of changes as well. I was just curious, some of your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. You know, they've taken some big steps uh, in the recent weeks uh, from the, from the standpoint of inclusion and, and making people feel comfortable at the racetrack. And um, so, you know, removing the Confederate flags and, and that kind of thing that uh, they've recently put out. So, um, you know, I, I just wish that so many things didn't bother people is the way I would say it. You know, I, I realized the history um, of so many different things in our country and what they are and that they are part of history. And me personally, you know, I don't think back to, um, I wasn't a part of what that was. So I, I don't, I don't understand it from that standpoint. I understand it from reading it in the books and, and I don't think anything of it but. time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I realize that it bothers people, and I realize that, that we're in a climate where, uh, you know, there's there's lots of things that are offensive to people. And and so if it makes it better for everyone to, to you know, have less of that and see less of that and do away with things, that's okay with me. Because, you know, I, I just, I'm kind of one of those people that want people to be happy and, and, and go about life and, and try not to dwell on those kind of things.
0: Are you familiar at all with Wendell Scott?
1: yeah absolutely
0: okay so apparently for those who don't know Wendell Scott was a was the first black driver in NASCAR history who won the first was first black driver to win a race however Mm -hmm. while he crossed the finish line first he this in Jacksonville he ended up being called the third place winner and there was a big uh Uh, protest about that. He protested. And by the time that they realized he won the race, apparently the money was gone, the trophy was gone. And now his family's trying to come back and say, hey, uh, you did give us the money. That's fine. You gave us a trophy, but it wasn't as fancy as the other original trophy. (laughs) So now they're coming back and saying, well, they want NASCAR to give uh, more of a celebration of his win back in 1963. He passed away in 1990. Are you familiar with that? Do you know if NASCAR would actually do that?
1: Yeah, I don't. I, I actually happened to catch an um, uh, interview with uh, his, his grandson or his great-grandson. Mm-hmm. And um, so I stopped in the house because I had one of the uh, NASCAR shows on. And um, and so I stopped to to listen to what he was saying. So I wasn't familiar with the fact that he did win the race. They didn't score him as the winner and, and so on and so forth. And and the interview that I saw, he was lobbying for uh, NASCAR to give him a trophy. And I'm like, let's give him a trophy, you know, <laughs> you know, um, all for it, uh, you know, and uh, he is a member of the NASCAR hall of fame. Wendell Scott is, and, and yes, yeah. you know, very familiar with him because of his spot in the sport and, and of the historical nature, um, you know, for, for Wendell and his family. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. You know, I don't know if the celebration or whatever. That I think being in the NASCAR Hall of Fame is a pretty mm-hmm. big deal. Um, and 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 merits uh, the celebration of, of of his spot in the sport and that kind of thing. So, uh, but I'm not familiar with you know all the the ins and outs of it. But uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'd say give him the trophy. I have a, a similar story. My husband was a uh, um, not similar to Wendell Scott, but from a trophy perspective, my husband uh, is a racer and was uh, a, a Champion modified racer. And uh, if you're familiar with NASCAR, there's a huge modified race at Martinsville Speedway. And uh, the one year they offer grandfather clocks. Everybody knows that when you win Martinsville, you get this beautiful grandfather clock to put in your home. And the one year that he won the race at Martinsville, no clock. Guess what? So he didn't get a clock and, uh, <laughs> and then we met and then years later, he's telling me the stories like, you know, the one year one Martinsville was 2002 and they did not give out clocks then. And so for uh, Christmas one year, I was able to work with the racetrack and, and get him a clock with the 2002 plaque on it, even though it wasn't the original trophy of the race, he still ended up with his clock. <laughs> wow.
0: <Well, laughs> this is a great wife. There you go. There you go. Good job. Yeah. Yeah
2: that so you're a gracer yourself. You've driven, and you you drove quite well, but you got out of the front of the driver's seat.
1: I did. You know, uh, I drove late model stocks in 1994 through 96, uh, short tracks around North Carolina and the surrounding states, and had a lot of fun with it. Me and Dale and my brother, Kerry, uh, all sh- shared cars and shared a team called Chance 2, and um, uh, really had fun with it, but I was in the midst of... Finishing school, I graduated college in 1995, so I was going to school for a couple years. I had a full-time job, and I always say, looking fast forward to our dad's death in 2001 and setting me up to come and work for Dale Jr. and run his business, uh, you know, I guess God knew all along what he was uh, building me up to be, Uh, and that wasn't a racer, that was more on the business side. So I had fun with it. I missed it on occasion. Uh, Was lucky to have Danica Patrick drive for Junior Motorsports, which gave me that avenue to kind of live through her and 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 see a female in the sport do good. So, um, but you know, it's it's well past my time now. There's no racing <laughs> in life. Doing this business, it's all
0: good. <laughs> but I heard somewhere that you were the best driver in the family.
1: Well, I I just own it now because that's what most people say. So when they're talking about the three of us racing. Uh I'll hear quite often, you know, Kelly was the best out of the bunch and people said that my dad said that and so on and so forth. And for the longest time I was like, ah oh, yeah, you know, whatever. They'll if you look at the the record books and the statistics, they'll <laughs> uh, better finishes uh for an overall standpoint than I did. But uh, you know, none of us I didn't ever win in the late model stock car and Dale only had three wins in a late model stock car. And, um, and so, uh, you know, we, we did okay, but, um, I think I was a hard nosed driver an aggressive driver and, and had a lot of the same qualities as my dad. And so that's why a lot of people, you know, thought that I was, um, uh, a good race car driver and maybe one, the better of the three. Dale was very shy. Um, just a shy person in general. He still is. So, um, I think that's a lot of times why they said that.
2: What about other women in the sport? Uh, team oper- team owners team operators that are female are there any or uh, are are there any <laughs> coming up
1: yeah you know on the cup side um there's a fantastic husband and wife uh jody and tad Getchecker, who own the number 47 car uh, ricky stenhouse and uh shoot i forget uh, who else is driving for them but um, they have two cars in the field and uh, ryan priest is the other driver and um so you know uh, Jody is very embodied in the sport and very looked up to from a female perspective. And I get asked about it all the time. There's, there's quite a few females in the sport, particularly in like the marketing and the PR roles and that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, when you look at the top levels of uh, leadership in terms of NASCAR and team owners and drivers um, you know, we're a small minority. Um, There's, there's some great uh, Joe Gregory with NASCAR um, you know, there's some, there's some great women here uh, who are, you know, laying down the path, but uh, certainly still, you know, kind of a minority in the whole scheme of things.
0: So we always like asking our guests, first off, what was your first car?
1: I, well, my very first car was a, a junkyard Volkswagen that my dad uh, went down the street when I was just a teen before I had my license and, uh, I, I loved to, we had a motorcycle, drive a motorcycle. We had a little yard cart, drove that. And so he went down to a friend's junkyard here in Morrisville and picked me out this beater of a, a Volkswagen. It's kind of a burgundy purplish color. And, um, and so he let me drive that around the farm on our logging roads at the time. So first cars, uh, my first real car though, once I got my license, I got a, a 1987 Fastback Monte Carlo SS.
2: Which I can understand that?
1: I loved the Monte Carlo <laughs> SS aspect of it. I was not a fan of the fastback. Um it just made this car really long and bulky, you know, and I felt like I was driving a hearst at times. And <laughs> my dad said that was to protect me. He wanted as much
0: sheet metal around me as possible. Well, that makes sense. I get that. <laughs> I get that. So, yeah. And then yep. later, apparently, you, uh, you found a Chevy. He got a Chevy Cavalier for you, which was a little better.
1: It was. So for uh, my 16th birthday was the SS. Then my graduation, I got a Chevy Cavalier, which I talk about in the book. Um, fun car. I love that car. Uh, from college, I got a um, dream car. I got an IROC.
2: Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm, okay.
1: Chevy Camaro IROC. Uh, was super excited about that. Then uh, my dumb self traded it for a Chevy Blazer. Not that, you know, but I mean, I had a sports car. Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> and, we all um, do it. Yeah. We all do it. Right. Y'all make that mm-hmm. mistake that you're like, why did I ever trade for that one car? Um, but uh, you know, now I live my life in Tahoes and Suburbans and mom cars. So.
0: So what's the one car you would like to get back if you could, was it that IROC or would it be something else?
1: Yeah, I think it'd be the IROC, I, you know, just such a fun car. I mean, I've got some fun cars now on a daily basis. I drive a Tahoe, but uh, I've got a 1972 Volkswagen that my husband gave me for my 40th birthday. Kind of, you know, tribute back to the Volkswagen of the old days. And uh, I've got a, an awesome 2002 Chevy Camaro Intimidator, which were being built uh, when my father in 2001, they had a 83 Intimidator sold uh, and um, and then they stopped making them when he passed. And, uh, so I was able to tag along to the back end and get one, thankfully. And so I have number 84 and, uh, love that car. love the power that it has and and such a fun thing to drive. It's a, you know, a a stick. So it's a lot of fun to drive. And, um, and, and I just recently, uh, inherited from my father-in-law, a, um, a Buick, that he allowed us to. I'm gonna try to. I'm, I'm sitting here gonna talk about it, and the name's gonna escape me. Um, Riviera, Buick Riviera, 65 New York Riviera.
0: Oh, okay. uh, that was so. Good yeah, when I was nice.
1: married, yeah, almost 10 years ago, he let us drive that car, and mm-hmm. you know, going away from the wedding car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just always loved it so sleek and big, and I'm a fan of the big cars. Like uh, my dad had a 65 uh, Chevelle, um, you know, um, Impala. Uh, blue, ice blue, you know, it was, uh, the, the stick was on the um, steering column there, so um, I was always a fan of those kind of cars, so uh, the the Riviera, I love, and my father-in-law just let us bring it, he always told me that it was mine, but it was still in Pennsylvania all these years, and he just let us bring it down to North Carolina, so it's officially mine now.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: Nice. It gets so many cool looks, I love it, I love it.
2: Tell me something, I, and I've noticed this with all with the NASCAR. North Carolina seems to be the hub for NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Why is yeah. that?
1: Well, I think that, um, you know, a lot of the, the roots of the sport uh, around here, like my grandpa, Ralph Earnhardt, you know, based in the 50s uh, and 60s. And so, you know, Junior Johnson, you know, the, the adage is that NASCAR was born out of the moonshine days and running moonshine. And so a lot of that happened here in North Carolina. And so the Junior Johnsons of the world that uh, uh, were some of the pioneers of the sport is just where kind of the sport got its footing here in the South. And so um, I, I guess that's kind of why i became become a hubbub of, of, we call our city, Mooresville, North Carolina, is Race City USA. And uh, gosh, you know, 90% of the teams are right here within a, a 30 or 40 mile radius.
0: hmm Wow, that's pretty nice. And of course, uh, they're all in that certain area. Everybody has a car that they want someday. They're looking longingly at from a distance. Now, of course, you have that Riviera, so (laughs) that may counteract everything I'm about to ask. But uh, top three cars that are out there that you would like one day to own or drive?
1: Well, um, you know my father-in-law has, and my dad had a lot of cars. My brother has a fair amount of cars. My father-in-law probably has about 80 old cars. And, um, I've really probably learned more about all types of cars, uh, in marriage with my husband than I did really before because we were a Chevy family. So it was like, you didn't, you know, I didn't look past anything but a Chevy. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, uh, I've gotten a lot more knowledge about cars, looking at old cars, and he has some really cool cars that maybe one day will be in my collection. But um, mm-hmm. it's, uh, um, it's probably, I guess, a 30s or 40 model where they have the seat that's in the – um she... seat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are pretty cool. Um, I've always wanted a General Lee. I'm a huge Dukes of Hazard fan. I know that's kind of crazy to talk about in today's times, but the Horn, I mean, you can't get past – Bum 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 bum, 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 bum. <laughs> You know, and the jumps that that car could make. Um, you know,
0: well, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to
0: set that up? Spoiler <laughs> alert! Spoiler yeah. alert! Uh, I believe they used a lot of cars to create one or two jumps. I just want—they did. To that's sure. what.
1: Yeah. So if you ever look online, you can see uh, supposedly junkyards of General Leagues, right? And yeah,
0: exactly. All the cars that they used. Yeah. Uh, I'm proud of you, there, Kelly. I mean, you actually <laughs> said something nice about a Mopar being from a Chevy. Right. I'm <laughs> proud of you. That's very really oh, that good. Does car guy. <laughs> you know, I'm a you know I'm well. Said. I'm also a Pontiac guy, and a, yeah. you know, and you know I
1: mean, gosh, if you think back about it, there's just so many cool cars, especially from. I mean, obviously muscle cars, and from long ago, but I mean, to me, they don't build as many cars, make as many cars. You know, they're they're just not as uh, robust as as the lineups used to be when it comes to cars. I mean, everybody's now is into saving gas, and you know. Boo, boo. Right. Yeah, I know. Right. So, um, you know, I mean, to me, like a car is a car. Like, you know, I want some meat in the car. And there some, you go. Some there robust. You know. Go. So, but. Uh.
2: <laughs> well, your cars are hybrids. They burn rubber, gas, and oil. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's it. They
0: do. They That's do. it. All right. They do. We. You came on to talk about the book. You've been very nice to work with us here so far, and so let's talk about the book right here. Drive. Whoops. Drive. Kelly Earnhardt Miller. Yeah. It is a uh, nine lessons to win in business and in life. Let's just get right to the meat of the matter. You have a photographic memory? I do. <laughs> I when did you know? Gosh,
1: uh, when I was a kid, my dad would used to, uh, you know, say, what's such and such's a phone number? And I could just roll it right out. And he was always like, how, how can you remember all those numbers? But I can remember addresses and numbers and all of those kinds of things, uh, going through school, which I, 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 attribute, um, a photographic memory to not learning quite as much because I didn't have to study, you know, I could read a paragraph and take a test the next day or a week later. And I mean, I basically could see the words on the paper and just get through my test, but it wasn't as much absorption as probably, uh, I could have used, uh, going through college, but I kind of just, uh, Use that memory to to get by, so to speak. But it served me well, and all that's well and good. And I don't even need to know half the stuff we learned in college because I never use it. Um, (laughs) College, I think, is about uh, accountability and reliability and dependability and learning, you know, how to. Of, uh, do what people tell you and all those kinds of things. It's not. A, okay. So <laughs>
0: you know let's talk learn. a little, Well, <laughs> we now know she's got a photographic memory. So let's talk a little bit about some of the lessons here. Give me a couple of really good lessons that you learned about business.
1: Yeah. You know, I think, um, a couple that stand out to me. Um, and I always wasn't, this wasn't always one of the forefronts, but leading from the heart has become really important to me. Um, I was a hard nosed leader in the very beginning. I didn't have kids. I was single. I was like, you know, there was no excuses to not come to work and and work hard and do a good job. Um, But uh, I have found that leading a group of people leading by the heart has been something that's very important to me. Um, Aiming for the win-win super important in this sport. Uh, One of the things that my dad really uh, supported and and I can just hear him saying and ingrained in us was, Uh, particularly from a NASCAR perspective, you know, we, we are driven by sponsorship for the most part. And so um, coming up with situations that work for the sponsor and work for the team and making that a win-win to to try to have a a longer sustaining relationship instead of just looking for at situations is what's in it for me. Um, You know, you don't ever get really far uh, if you do that very long. So, um, but there's lots of great things in here, managing your emotions, being approachable, a lot of things that um, I really struggled with through my childhood and then coming into business really learned the value of them and, and why they were important.
0: Talk a little bit about a couple of uh, lessons in life that really stick with you.
1: One of the things that I think is important is just, you know, hitting hit situations head on and honest. Um, you, you can't really go wrong being honest. Um,
0: Doing the right thing. Yeah,
1: doing the right thing. I mean, you can be judged and this, that, and the other, but if you stand on your convictions and and you're honest and you do the right thing, um, you know, it'll work out in the wash.
0: And timing. Timing. Timing is important. Yeah, timing is
1: important. Um, And and do we ever know the right time? You know, I think that um, a lot of times you're just going with your gut, going with your heart, doing the due diligence, uh, you know, going through things, and, and it'll work out.
0: Bob, do you have any other questions there? <laughs> no, I, you read the book. I, I'm just in the part. <laughs> Well, one thing I noticed, one thing I noticed, though, so, there are absolutely no pictures in this book, Kelly. What happened? No.
1: Well, I asked about that. So in <laughs> Dell, we worked with the same publisher. And um, I said, so when are y'all going to ask me for the pictures? And she said, well, honey, your book doesn't have pictures in it. And I was like, why not? Yeah.
0: And
1: so, yeah, autobiographies have pictures in them. And so apparently uh, mine's not autobiography enough, even though we have the, the first four chapters in part one about growing up as Dellen Hart's daughter and whatnot, more of a business. Book. But I still think it can use pictures. I think it'd be
0: fun. You know, come I'm, to think of it. I don't know. My, it's my social up.
1: channel. Anyway, I should just do that.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. I'm, I'm just saying, it's just a suggestion.
1: I know. We're talking to Kelly
0: Earnhardt Miller, who uh, of course has the new book, Drive, Nine Lessons to Win in Life and Business. Go out, get this book. In fact, when I read it, I was just glued to it because I'm always absorbing these uh, these life lessons things, things I can Mm -hmm. do life better. It's always interesting. Check it out, check it out. You're gonna like it. And uh, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. thank you so much for joining us Uh, again don't forget by the way you guys listen to our audio podcast on radio.com and knx1070.com watch our video podcast now on our new two tired guys productions channel you can see hot rod bob with of course his gas show great american auto scene of course bob we all know what your introduction is to your show i'm hot rod bob and you've got gas I live with this every day. That's what it is. Don't forget, subscribe to Bulk. You'll get all of our shows. Follow us on social media. Become a Too Tired Guys patron. See exclusive videos and get some swag as well. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon for Hot Rod Bob and Kelly Earnhardt Miller. (laughs) Join us next time as we have some fun talking about cars. See you later.